So, so we are in a series of discussions about David. He's a, he's a very colorful character. Um, I've, I've called the, this uh, series of messages uh, 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 Summer Blockbusters because David really reminds me, almost every incident I see about David in the Bible reminds me of a trailer for an action movie because David is an action kind of guy. Uh, occasionally a romance movie, and that's one of David's many problems. But, but um, David is a very colorful character, and there's all these stories in the Bible about him. And there's more stories about David in the Bible than anybody else except Jesus. So there's lots of material to work with. And unfortunately, today's Father's Day. And I went looking, I looked hard to find something positive about David. And the reality is, he is just not a great father. David is actually a pretty bad father. Um, he's, uh, he's, got, he's got problems. He's, he's got six wives, he's got ambitious children, and he has got every kind of dysfunction in his family you can imagine. Uh, ranging up to and including rape and murder. So, so David is not a great father. And I think in particular, what, one of the reasons he's not a great father is because he's very reluctant to criticize in his children what everybody knows he did himself. So David is not a great father. And so in order to find something uplifting and encouraging in the life of David that we could talk about on Father's Day, I had to zoom past pretty much his entire life, come to the very end here, at, at second, uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, where he gives some advice to, to Solomon. A, a, and that's a disappointment to me, because um, being a father is hard. It is, it is hard to be a parent, and it certainly is hard to be a father. And I wish the Bible had, had more stories that encouraged me and showed me how easy it was. If you just do this, if you're just a man of God, if you're just the kind of guy who can write psalms, um, then it all becomes easy, and you, you become a great Father, And unfortunately, that's not what the Bible shows me. The Bible shows me even great men of God have difficulty in parenting. And, and, and in, in a way, that actually gives me hope because, because I found it very hard myself to be a good father. And you can talk to my family and, and get your own read on how, how they think, how good a good job I'm doing. But I will tell you, from my perspective, it goes along. There used to be some ad, it was the hardest job you'll ever love. And that's how I feel about being a father. It is the hardest job that I've ever loved. It is, it is very hard. Um, it's, it's just intrinsically hard to be a parent, I think. Um, anyone who's, who's uh, been woken up or spent the entire night not asleep uh, because the baby's crying knows about that. But I think in particular today, it's even harder because uh, the definition of what a father is is changing. Our society has different expectations. My dad never once in his entire life changed a diaper. It just never would have occurred to him to change a diaper. That was just the, the most unusual thing you could imagine a father doing. There were things that dad did, but changing diapers wasn't one of them. Nowadays, it's pretty much expected that if you're going to be um, in the same house as the baby, then you're going to change diapers along with mom. So, um, or you're probably not going to be welcome back in bed later. So um, you might as well change the diaper while you're out there. So, so today, that's a way that, change, that being a father has changed. Other things have changed. Just society has changed. My dad never went to a soccer game. They didn't do soccer when I was a kid. They did Little League. And my dad did take us to, to Little League, and he knew all about it, and he could give us advice and yell at the other players and so forth. Um, he, he was a good dad when it came to baseball, but he would have had to learn a whole new skill set to do soccer. So, so society has changed. 
our understanding of what it means to be a father has changed. And of course, the family has changed, right? Nowadays, much more than in the past, uh, we have a different set of family configurations. There's blended families. There's single parents. Um, there's, there's, there's all kinds of different configurations that are much more common than used to be the case in kind of middle American society. So in all kinds of ways, being a father is hard. And so I wish the Bible had lots more examples of good parents I could look to and say, okay, I just be like that. So uh, it doesn't. But that makes it all the more important where it does to pay close attention. And that's what is in this passage here. This passage shows some of the best wisdom in the Bible for being a good parent. So I wanted to, to go through this. It is at the end of at the end of his life, David is about to die, and Solomon has just just a, in the last chapter, as we heard, Solomon has survived a threat. Um, uh, one of his half brothers, Adonijah, was going to just try and usurp the throne because he figured Dad's uh, out of it. Dad's you know laying in bed all day long. Now's my chance. I'm just going to become king. And so Bathsheba and Nathan come in and say, "Was this your plan? Because did you know this is going on?" And David arranges things at the last minute. Solomon is named king. So Solomon is, is now king, but there are threats in front of him. And so David gives him advice. And, and the first advice, he says, is to follow the law. Um, he says, be strong, be courageous, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses. Now, we can kind of gloss over that and say, well, of course, it's the Bible. What else is he going to say? Don't. But, but this is the, the era of absolute monarchs. And he's saying, even you as king have a higher authority over you. So you don't get to do anything you want. You get to do a lot of things. You're going to be king, but even you have to answer to somebody. You, even you have to work within boundaries. But then it's what comes after. So that, that's good wisdom, but it's what comes after that I find the most intriguing. He says, do not let... He, he says... Um, you know what Joab, son of Zeruiah, did to me, how he dealt with the two commanders. And he names this incident where, where Joab had, had taken somebody, um, they had, they had uh, sued for peace, and Joab killed them anyway. And he said, in time of peace, he had killed these people. So he said, he said um, you did this, and so don't let his, he says, uh, act therefore, verse 6, act therefore according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to Sheol in peace. Sheol is the Hebrew word that for, for the pit or the grave. And what David is saying is, I want him to die. And I don't want him to die old and in peace. It would be really great if he died sooner rather than later and if it wasn't very pleasant. I don't want him to die of, of something peaceful. I want him to die violently. So David tells his son, kill Joab. And then he says, but deal uh, loyal, loyally with the sons of Barzillai, um, because they were loyal to me. And then he says, okay, and there's also this Shimei son of Gera, the Benjaminite, who cursed me with a terrible curse, and I swore to him I wouldn't put you to death, but I didn't say anything about my successor. So he says, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do to him, and you must bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. So David gives this advice, and it's very troublesome advice. I mean, uh, first of all, what, I, I, don't, I don't know what this sounds like to you, but to me this sounds like the last reel of The Godfather. You know, this is, this is uh, 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 Don Corleone has died, and Michael's now in charge, and so Mo Green gets killed, and he bumps off the heads of the, the five families. David is acting a lot like 
the Godfather. And it's, so it's a little troublesome in that way. But it's also, what is the practical application of that? You know, what am I going to do? The guy in sales has really been bugging me. I'm going to bump him off, you know. Um, you know, the guy in marketing, he's very loyal. I'm going to take care of him. You know, it's not very practical if you read it that way. But, but there's obviously the reason for it is David is king. And Solomon has just survived an attempt to ga- grab the crown out from underneath him. So, so, or the throne out from underneath him, crown from his head. Um, so he's saying, you have got real threats to your king. You know, I've been king 40 years. It's not as easy as it looks. And you're going to have to deal with real problems from real people who are threats to your kingdom. And you're going to have to deal with them. And you better take it seriously. So we understand why he does it, but it's like, well, I'm still not sure what the application is because I'm not a king. But I think the application is what he says right before that. He says, he says, act therefore according to your wisdom, but do not let his head go down. He says, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man. Now, see, that's the one thing we know about Solomon. We don't know much about Solomon, but we know he was a wise man. In fact, he is famous for his wisdom. People would come from other countries just to hear him sit at court because his judgments were so wise. Solomon is a wise man. And David is telling Solomon, use your wisdom. Here's what I would do. I'd kill him. I'd bump him off. But you're not me. You have a different set of gifts and talents and abilities. God has made us different. If you go look in chapter um, 22 of uh, 1 Chronicles, there's a different talk. David tells his son, build a, build a temple. He says, I was going to build a temple. But God came to me and says, you can't build a temple, David, because you're a man of blood. You've, you, you've, from the day you, you, uh, uh, you know, when you were a kid, you were killing um, uh, lions and bears, to killing uh, David, uh, um, Goliath, to uh, getting the crown and then keeping the crown for... For 40 years, you are a man of blood. You cannot build a temple. But your son, your son Solomon, is a man of peace. That's actually what the word Solomon means. The Hebrew word is shlomo, and it it basically means someone who is about shalom or peace. Uh, Solomon is a man of peace, and he can build a temple. David says this now to, to Solomon. He says, we're different. You've got threats, real threats, that are going to affect your kingdom. And you need to deal with them. And if I were you, I'd bump them off. I'd make sure their head did not go down great in peace to Sheol. But you're Solomon. And you are wise. Act, therefore, according to your wisdom. Do with these real problems what God has equipped you to do with different gifts than I have. This is an amazing thing. David doesn't look at Solomon and say, You know, Solomon you're kind of a washout as a man of blood. You're just terrible. You know, he doesn't look at his son and say, you're so different from me, you have failed to live up to my standard in these ways. Instead, he looks at his son and says, here are the unique gifts that God has given you, the things that make you you. He says, use those when you're on the throne. Don't try and be a lousy David. Try and be a great Solomon. That's great advice. Every parent should give their children advice like that. Don't try and be a a, a lousy copy of Luke, but be a great Neil, be a great Iris. That's great parenting. We can all do that. 
whatever your gifts are, whatever, whatever your children's gifts are, whatever your gifts are, be that person. I went to a talk once. I heard, a, I heard an author named uh, Don Miller. He's, um, he's uh, got a um, foster, uh, what's the word, a big brother kind of program that he runs in um, Portland. And he was talking about um, the will of God. Somebody asked him a question. How do I know, you know, I'm, trying, I'm thinking about doing this thing, but I'm not sure if it's God's will that I do that. And his answer was a great answer. He said, he said a lot of people have got an image of the will of God as being like, uh, like a tightrope. And you, you kind of make your way from one end of your life to the other on this tightrope. And one false step, and you fall off. Whether it's the right or the left, you fall off to your doom. Or maybe Jesus is a safety net. But a lot of people have got that image of God's will. And he said, no, that's not really what God's will is like. God's will is like a great big sheet of, of butcher paper, a huge sheet of paper. And he said, it's got boundaries. There, there are things you can do that are outside of God's will. But there's also a great space in the center of God's will where you can do what you're equipped to do with the gifts that God made you. He said, he said what, what the, different, the different gifts that God equips us with, our, our musical talent or our, or our athletic ability or our um, uh, mechanical know-how or, or whatever it is we've got, our, our gifts as a communicator, our gifts as a parent, Whatever the gifts we have are, they're like crayons. And God is telling us, go draw something beautiful on that sheet of paper. And I love that image because that's what I see here in the scriptures. David is telling Solomon, you've got different gifts than me. He says, there is a will of God. The very first thing he says is, is obey, the, obey the commandments of God. Don't, don't go out and be a bad person, you know, murdering and doing all the things that he then goes and gives him advice how to do. He says, he says don't, don't do that. He says, uh, honor your father and mother, you know, obey the law, right? All the things that he should do. But then he says, but be Solomon. Use the gifts that God gave you to create something beautiful with your life. That's great advice. And I just, I just wonder what it would be like if all of our children saw themselves not as a failure to be their parents, but as somebody who is uniquely gifted by God to create something beautiful in their life. Just imagine what kind of a blessing that would be for them and for their children. That's what David is telling us. And if as bad of a parent as David can tell his children that, I think we can all do the same. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now we have a...